This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Draft Sickos on the No Ceilings NBA YouTube channel and the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. This is the show where we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest of sleepers. And today I'm joined by none other than the Wolf of Ball Street himself, Corey Tullova. Corey, how are you doing today? Maxwell, what is going on, man? Uh, I'm so excited to be here. This is my second time on the Draft Sickos show, but it's my mm-hmm. first time uh hopping on the show with you yeah. and i i actually think this is our first time that we've ever recorded any podcast together in general i think it is yeah because uh, yeah the only time that we've done anything like this really is the mock calls which yeah uh, by the way some Saturday noise next plus if you want access to those here the the whole war room experience but yeah I'm, I'm fired up for this one and i actually want to lead off with a guy that i've been kind of dying to pick your brain about a little bit uh tyler kolick from marquette uh, who's one of the winners of the week here, despite kind of a rougher game against UConn, still had a big performance uh, last week against St. John's, 27 points and 13 assists in that one. And then another big one against Butler this week, 27 points, seven boards, five assists in that one. Um, Kolek is a guy where it seems like there's a decent amount of first round buzz. And you were somebody that I would say was kind of like an earlier adapter in our crew and, and sort of really being into what he could be at the NBA level. Um, I've kind of dragged on that a little bit. Like for me, he's been more a guy that I'm like, ah, second round, like he's just a, a solid guard. I don't, I don't really like get it. I, I want to say. So what would you say is like the biggest thing that has you more sold on Tyler Kolek than maybe people that are, are lower on him? Well, I think I kind of was in on him a little bit earlier because I covered the Big East tournament last year for no ceilings. Mm-hmm. And I got to see the Tyler Kolek uh, experience in person last year. And I was like, man, like there's, there's something with this kid. 
And then, you know, I went and I even looked at his numbers from last year. And I was like, oh, so even the numbers he put up as a junior mm-hmm. were numbers that like pretty much only uh, uh, NBA guys who have had like a pretty decent career have put up mm-hmm. um, when you start diving into some of the more like advanced stats. And I was like, all right, so like I understand there's going to be hesitations with him because he has obvious limitations that, you know, it takes you two minutes to figure out what those limitations are. But there's just something about a kid who knows how to play the right way, puts up like good numbers in a bunch of different areas. You know, it's not just like he is a guy who's like a really good assist guy, but doesn't contribute to the boards. Like he can rebound. Mm-hmm. Um, the shooting, I, I think is like, I wouldn't say he's one of the best shooters in this class, but like his percentages are very good. And, you know, um, so like the shots there, and I just think that like he has the kind of fu persona attitude that you really need to believe that you can be on the floor with other NBA players, yeah. and you could still not only like compete with them, but be one of the guys who's contributing the most. So, you know, I, I think that Kolik is a guy who like I think few would argue he's going to get at least a cup of coffee with a few different teams. Um, but like, I also think there's a higher end outcome with him where I don't think he's going to be like an all-star, but like I could totally see him being a starter on a good NBA team who's filling in the gaps, organizing things, um, and like kind of bringing um, all the little intangibles that you would want from a team. And, you know, when I, I wrote about him earlier in the year, stylistically, I think he does a lot of similar things to Goran Dragic. No, I think Dragic was a little longer, maybe even a little taller, potentially, Mm -hmm. probably a little quicker. So like, there are definitely physical advantages that Dragic had that made him the player that he was. But I think just as far as like play style, when, if you're looking at a guy like Kolik and you're like, well, like sell me on him. Like who, who has looked like him and succeeded? I think if you're looking for a higher end outcome, I think Dragic is kind of a guy I would point to, to be like, they do a lot of similar stuff on the court. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think part of it that I've had a hard time with was he just had like that really rough, sophomore year at Marquette and like I don't know I've seen more people kind of leaning into career numbers and things like that as far as projecting guys forward I know that's how a lot of NBA teams do it but for me I've always kind of looked at it more as like I'm I'm not getting that player like I'm getting the player that they are now so like I feel like for me that's been a big thing it's like I just gotta kind of move past that and look at what he's doing right now um so you said that you can kind of take those starter and outcomes with him. I feel like that's where I've been lagging a little bit is like, I, I look at him and I worry, is he going to be a guy that gets to like 20 minutes? Per game? Um, and part of it is like the anthro stuff where like, I look at a guy like Peyton Pritchard, who is a little bit more athletic, a bit more of a flamethrower, a guy who like, there's a more clear off ball role. Or a guy like Andrew Nemhard, where like there's just a little bit more size there. Um, and then like even him, like is like a lower volume three-point guy. Like this year, it just hasn't been as good when that shot doesn't go at that same clip. Um, and, and I just get a little bit nervous about like the on off element of his game, where like I, I guess how do you speak to that? Because on, on one hand, he is a very good catch and shoot player. Um, but the volume is, is low, but I guess with Marquette and like playing off of, oh, so he's shown a willingness and an ability to do that. Like, how do you feel about the on ball off ball 
uh, with him at the next level. Cause that's another area where I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't know that I love Tyler Kulik's off ball value at the NBA level. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, when I say he has the starter outcomes, I don't know if it's the most likely outcome. Sure, sure. Yeah. I would actually wager that it's probably not the, you know, the most likely yeah. outcome. Um, but so if you're asking about the the on-ball, off-ball stuff, he obviously, I think, has like a little less of the off-ball equity than when you mention a guy like a Peyton Pritchard, right? Because Peyton Pritchard is an absolute sniper at any volume, right? Mm-hmm. He, he could put up a ton of threes. Where Kolek is a little bit more selective about the threes that he's he's taking and that helps his you know um you know his percentages but i think that kolik is a really crafty off ball player in that he is quick to kind of move off the ball and then get into the next action so and even if he is let's say on the weak side uh wing he'll do that thing where you know he'll kind of do like the road runner catch where his feet are already moving mm-hmm. so he can catch it on the move and i just think that um if you're worried about the the three point shooting, I think there's already a base there for him. And at the next level, I think there's going to be a big focus on him being a guy who has to play a lot more off the catch. Mm-hmm. So like I, if he wasn't shooting it at all, if it was like his second year more so than it was like yeah, the yeah. last two years, I think you could be a little less confident that like, ah, well, what if he doesn't figure that out? Like, I think he's got a pretty good base. He's a great free throw shooter. Like shot looks pretty good. I'm just going to be about repping it out. Um, and then I, I think that, again, like for, for Marquette, like you're not going to get the opportunity to see a ton of that. I mean, like obviously, uh, you know, they play through Oso, they play through Cam a little bit. So it's there in spurts, but like he's the engine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I want to talk about the engine stuff a little bit too, because I think this race is one of the more interesting questions about him is what does that sort of look like at the next level? What does the initiation look like? I think I might be a little bit more bullish on like that element of his game. Like I, I get that he is not, super fast super quick super bouncy but at the end of the day from like a a pure rim pressure standpoint the amount of shots that he's getting at the rim in the half court is really high like 43.7 percent of your half court shots at the rim like that is more than john morant and jalen suggs got in college and i think a lot of people (laughs) look at that and they're like oh well like he's playing off oh so a lot of that's assisted like 25 percent of that's assisted but that's that's not a ton. Like that's not like everything he's getting is assisted. Like he's, he's getting to the rim by himself a decent amount. Um, and I think the ambidexterity as a finisher helps there. I think the ambidexterity as a passer is something that is like really important downhill. The, the ability to just like thread the ball through super tight windows. Um, but anytime a guy isn't that sort of like great college athlete, there's always a the question of like, okay, well, how does it scale up? I think I'm a little more, forgiving of like guys that need a ball screen at the next level because there are a lot of really good nba players that need a ball screen to create and get downhill um do you have any concerns about like the rim pressure stuff the finishing that's been really good in college scaling up because of that or are you kind of like that's it's gonna be fine i mean look do i think he might have an adjustment like finishing against like nba level athletes like sure right like i I have that worry about pretty much everybody Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to like him doing it and when you look at him like not being an athlete and you're like wondering kind of like how is he doing it i think he's such a smart cerebral player that anytime he's got the ball kind of going downhill everybody has to kind of be aware of everything at once going on around the court like Mm -hmm. if you're an off-ball guy you can't really cheat to rotate over to kolik too much because if you do that ball is going to be in a shooter's hand on the opposite side of the court and you can't close out now. So everybody's kind of like on edge because he is that 
person who can dice you up and make plays for his teammates. And then he's also like physical dude. Like he is not afraid to go into your body. He's not one of these smaller, you know, six, two, six, three guards who is slight of frame. Like he has a little bit of, you know, steadiness and, and girth to him. Um, that even though he could be, you know, groundbound, it's like, well, he's going to dip his, sh- his shoulder into your chest. And like, if you can take it, then that's great. But like, he's probably going to move you off your spot a little bit. Cause he's going to do it with some force. And then again, going back to like his quick decision, like I think playing with Oso and in this offense is like a major plus for him when you're trying to analyze how he's going to look at the NBA level, because so much of what they do is like based off of like NBA level stuff. Like a lot of, uh, you know, I know the coaching staff, you know, took a lot of stuff from the nuggets and, and, you know, how they kind of play. So, you know, when he gets the ball, like, yeah, he might be playing off of Oso, but like, it's a quick pitch to Oso. Then he's coming back off the handoff. Now he's got the guard like on his back and the, the big is, you know, playing cat and mouse. And like, it's just, he already has the style down, the quick processing. He knows what he's going to do. He's not afraid to move off the ball to go get it back. Um, and then when he's getting downhill, like, you know, he, he can hit the floater. You know, like he can score at the rim. Like he, he has different levels that he can get to where you're going to feel confident that he's going to get a good look. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. I think that like, he's a guy that if you're looking at him as a second unit guard, like, I think you can kind of forecast him doing a lot of what he's already doing just because, you know, he's, he's going to know how to do it already. It's just going to be about the adjustment to the speed of the game. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I want to touch on real quick with him is just the defense. Um, Again, like a smaller guard, there's always going to be those things. But I think, like you mentioned earlier, like the body, I think it's really important here. The fact that he's like not going to be the easiest guy to push around matters a lot. Because um, NBA teams and, and even like G League teams now, it's just straight up like we see a mouse in the house and we're going to punish it like time and time again. That's that's not going to go away anytime soon. But I think Cole being a little bit stronger and I think that feel carrying over um, is going to matter quite a bit. Like he gets so many of those uh, like steals where a guy turns their back on him yeah. like when he's the nearest off ball defender. And he just comes over and swipes that love his dig technique, um, communicative off the ball, like knows how to play in gaps again, like not a crazy playmaker and in a low block guy, which is always a little bit concerning, but I think there's a level of physicality and understanding that makes me feel okay about him defensively. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, look, I, I don't want him guarding Tatum on an Island and I, that's mm-hmm. something he's going to have to figure out. And, but like, you know, teams are smart, you know, yeah, and yeah. you'll, you'll switch and pre-switch and like, you'll, you'll figure out ways to avoid that. The, you know, the more that you can actually sit and adjust and game plan for those specific situations. And if you're even at that specific level and point in time where this is a concern <laughs> for you, like it's probably means that Kolek has done enough to stay on a floor. And like, this is it, he's actually doing the things that you, you know, drafted him to do to get him to that point. Um, I like his hands. I think he's got quick hands. Like, and I just think he's a smart dude who knows where to be on the floor. Yep. He's always going to have the limitations and that's something that, you know, you're going to have to to live with. But I mean, I just think that like feel on, on both ends is like as important as any physical trade at this point, you know, and from what we're seeing in the NBA, like obviously you get a guy like Jalen Williams who has the feel and the physical attributes. And now you have a guy who you're like, all right, well maybe he's going to be, a, you know, like a, a regular all-star down the line. But when you're getting a guy like Kolek who has like just enough physical tools to probably survive and like has some pluses and some minuses, but does have the feel. I think that's very like, well, can he be a rotation player? And you know, look, it, it's hard. Like you mentioned Peyton Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard's like just playing over 20 minutes per game. So like that yeah, 20 yeah. minute per game threshold for the, for like small guards, 
it's really tough to, mm-hmm. to bypass. So like, and there's so many small guards in this class that it's like, which one of those, yeah. how many of those guards are going to hit 20 minutes per game? Because there's only so many teams in so many spots. Right. Um, but if I'm betting like, yeah, Tyler Kolek is probably going to be a guy who's like sticking around the league for longer than people would probably, you know, predict him um, or at least the vast majority. I mean, Ryan Archie Diacono is still bouncing around and like, he's not a guy who's playing much. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like, yeah, but and I love Arch, yeah. but he's around. Um, yeah. and, and I think Kolek just as a player is, you know, a better, stronger, more effective, you know, player out, than, yeah, than Archie Diacono sure. was. Um, so just last, last thing here, where do you have him on your board currently? Cause I think this is where I've struggled. this like, just from a philosophy standpoint, like guy who hangs around a lot. It's like, that's, that's good. I, I like that for his career. Like if I was an agent, that would be the type of player I'm interested in. Cause he's going to get mm-hmm. multiple NBA contracts. Um, even if they're not for the largest amount of money. Um, but from like a team building philosophy standpoint with me, it's just like, I'd almost rather miss on a guy where I feel like that 20 minute per game likelihood is higher. And like, if I have a guard need, like maybe I scoop, uh, not, not necessarily Ryan Artigiacono, but like there's good guards that are just available on the market every year. Like I could get like, uh, like Nate was screaming about like DJ Carton the other day, right? Like having a really good season in the G league um like why don't i just get like dj carton on the cheap and then like not use my draft pick on on him or uh, a mac mcclung of sorts if you will <laughs> since he's a hot name right now like why wouldn't i just go the cheap route and get a g-league guard that's maybe a little bit more ready um as opposed to like drafting colic in the first round or, or early second early second I, I don't really have a problem with but like first round is is kind of rich for me so I think I have him around 20. I mean, I haven't updated my board in a few weeks and, you know, there's some new guys who are going to be in. Yep. But I think like the difference between like a guy like Kolek and maybe some of those other dudes is, and this is stuff that maybe you can't measure. I do think there are intangibles with Kolek that just don't exist with some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Peyton Pritchard's probably a guy who does have a lot of those similar intangibles. Um, and I, I totally get the philosophical aspect of that where it's like uh, maybe we can get somebody who's a little taller at this spot and but if you're looking for a team who's like well can we get somebody who's like not just going to be able to play but like actually be good in even if it's 15 minutes like Mm -hmm. are we going to lose those minutes because this g-leaguer is stepping up or like if we play him for 15 minutes can we survive and maybe even win some of those minutes sure yeah I think that's where kind of like the separator is with Cole. Cause I just think he's doing things that are a little craftier, at least in like the pre college stuff. Yeah. That make me kind of forecast that a little bit more. So I, I mean, and it depends, right? Like it's going to be like what teams need good guard play, steady backup guard play. Like, I don't know the bucks probably in the early twenties, like he might not be exactly what they need. Cause you know, maybe you're looking at a Devin Carter who's a little bit more physical and, you know, can defend a little bit of the point of attack more. But if you're just like, hey, we need people to play like effective backup minutes and like, yeah, we can keep bouncing around the campaigns and Pat Bev's, but like how many games are they, you know, is Pat Bev going to play a year? Like, yeah, if you want somebody steady who maybe you get on a, a young, like on a rookie contract for multiple years, that's kind of, I, I think you can get that at a colic where I just don't know if you're going to be able to get it from a Geely guy who eh, maybe he can come play, this year is he going to be around next year? Like I think Cole is the kind of guy who could have longevity in that role. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to Kishan, uh, Keyshawn George uh, from Miami is our next winner of the week. He's a guy where it, 
in like this, the numbers this week, this is more uh, sort of philosophy uh, and, and buzz related than anything else. He's a guy that we took 10th in our mock draft this week for the Oklahoma city thunder. Um, I know a lot of us on our staff have had uh, conversations with, with front offices and it just seems like there's a real strong buzz uh, behind Keyshawn George at this moment. Um, where have you been at with, with Keyshawn and what's been, I, I use like, I use the phrase like prospect journey with him because uh he was a guy and it's uh oh gosh that's killing me that i'm not remembering the name one of our listeners tweeted me like a month or two ago and was like what's the difference between like him and jet howard and i was like look at jet's numbers like his first couple months of the season like Keyshawn's not there and now like Keyshawn is getting that sort of buzz uh (laughs) and and he's had some really great games it's been a little bit up and down like zero points against boston college 13 against clemson injured in the virginia game but then 16 the game before that and then five against nc state like it's it's been a little rickety it's been a little up and down um but ultimately we were looking at a six foot eight freshman who is at 40.8 percent from three uh on high volume and has some playmaking feel so where have you been with him throughout the year and, and where do you sort of have him now so i i think the first time i really would like noticed him i think was in the kentucky game mm-hmm. which was in like you know, November or something. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember putting in the chat, like Keyshawn George is fun. Like in, in yeah, our, yeah. the no stealings group chat. And he was just one of those guys that you kept, you watch Miami. Cause you know, they have Matthew Cleveland who I've never really gotten on the bandwagon with. Um, you know, a lot of people really like Wooga Poplar. I, That's, he's yeah, been a guy that I've, yeah, which I've been like, eh, you know, like if he reaches his high end outcome, he's probably Malik Beasley. Like, I don't know at what point you take him in the draft. Um, and then like every guy that you're like, this is the guy in Miami. I'm like, yeah, but this George kid is the one who's standing out to me. And then, you know, obviously he started playing more and that's when we're like, okay, he's, he went from like a, a guy that we should watch maybe for next year to like, all right, let's put him on the board. Right. And to me, he's kind of the like Usman Jang of this draft. Okay. You know, where it's like, all right, kind of not the best first half of the year, like not getting a ton of minutes, looks a little raw, but you see like why he would be interesting. And now he's starting to, he's starting to string together more consistent play. I know his last game wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't very good. Um, but when you look at his size, one, his jump, like that dude has got a strap, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that jump shot is beautiful. He's huge. Like he might still be growing, you know, like. I, I think that um, he's shown some, you know, pretty fun passing stuff, um, at least with the feel to to be able to do it. I have my concerns for sure. You know, not a lot of juice off the bounce, like uh, not a lot of like quick twitch stuff. Definitely not physical, you know, and yeah. going to the rim, you're like, for a guy who's his sight, like, you know, I'd like him to be able to dip his shoulder and maybe create a little separation and not get bumped off his spot, like, you know, a, a tumbleweed in the wind. Um <laughs> But I just think he has so many interesting tools. So like if the, like philosophically, if you're somebody who's like, all right, I know that like there are some of these upperclassmen who are like really producing at the college level and like making an impact. Um, should we draft them at, you know, whatever part of the draft and he's on the board and you're like, yeah, but he's young. He's adapting his game. He's not, you know, he's still growing. He can really shoot. He's got this stuff. Like, he might be the, he's one of the guys in this class where I'd be like, well, I would actually swing on that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think you that's know? completely reasonable. Um, and like, I wrote about it a little bit in my column that'll be out Monday. Um, you see, I like, I'm, I'm just pretty enamored with him. And a lot of it goes to 
So I think there's like this really rosy kind of high end outcome that I think a lot of people are drawn to with him. Where like he is this guy, like you said, he's got the strap, long range sniper, six eight, and like has some playmaking juice to him. Um, I and I get that, like the idea of like if he's six foot eight and he's a playmaker and he's training threes, like that's awesome. Like that's a, a big time NBA star. A lot of my appeal with him actually comes from like I I think the floor is actually quite good. Like, I, I think there's outcomes here where, like, I, to be honest, and, like, to be completely frank, the reason why I don't have him super, super high um, is I don't really buy, like, the playmaking stuff coming along. This is a guy who is 20 years old and just isn't very fast and isn't very physically strong. And if this was a situation where he was, like, a young college player, like, if he was a young 18, I'd be like, ah, you know what? Like, maybe I can talk myself into that. Um, he's been in some pretty good, like, programs playing pro in France. Like, I just don't think he's ever going to be super athletic or super strong, but mm-hmm. I do think he's a really smart, like quick decision maker who's six foot eight and can drain threes. And that has a lot of value. Like I don't, the, the connectivity is the, yeah. Like to me, yeah. this is a guy where you continue to work on the defense where he's just long. He's tough to get around at the point of attack, like can almost be like a jumbo two sort mm-hmm. of player. If you're, if you're a little bit more worried about like the physical strength stuff, um and then he's like i do think he's got a good frame though yes and that's the thing is like i think he can i think he can get a little bit stronger he's got got big broad shoulders like and and i think with like the rebounding and how that can feed into the playmaking like i wrote like he's kind of like tailor-made for early offense like one of those guys who can grab the ball lead the break kick it to somebody in transition or make a deep outlet pass um or even conversely like a guy like you can yeah come off a drag and like pull up or like there's just a lot of ways that in early offense like early in the shot clock he can create good looks for others or knock down those effective shots um so like that's kind of my interest in him and i think even on offense he's like a tertiary guy i think a lot more of that stuff would shine through if miami wasn't the team that they are where it's like <laughs> matt cleveland like ruga poplar like norteto mir like these guys don't move the ball well at all um, and like Nigel Pack, like is a guy who always has good assist numbers, but he doesn't really like none of those guys like play within the flow of an offense. It's a lot no, of like my turn. It's, your it's like turn the inverse of, of the the Marquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, like I'm saying like I think if you put him on a team where like a more Kentucky style team this year, where like the ball just kind of zips around, it's a really fast pace, but the ball is moving. I think he would look a lot better. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just look at this guy who is able to guard the ball. Um, even if he's not the most agile, um, but can really shoot, has this rhythm and rock, this hesitation, NBA range. Dude, makes he moves like decisions his, on the ball. He's like, got the best movement patterns, like I think in college. Like, like yeah. as far as how he moves on the court, like I think that's one part of the appeal with him for people like that are watching or like, oh, he moves like Brandon Ingram and Paul George and like Brandon Miller and like those guys move. Mm-hmm. where it's just there's like this inherent smoothness that you can't teach you know it's just the way that and at that size it always just looks so much more impressive yeah than anywhere else and he moves like that mm-hmm. um but he doesn't have like the same kind of like quick twitch ability combined with that that like a paul george does and yeah, that's like yeah. the kind of where the difference is with him like as far as his top tier outcome that like where you're like i think the floor is a little higher and that's why you're mm-hmm. buying in like I, I i'm on board with that because like those guys all have like these quick movement patterns to go on top of like how they almost feel like they're gliding on the court mm-hmm. where he's just he's gliding but it's like one speed it's just a glide yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and i think he does okay as far as like 
he can get away with it a little bit because there is some like craft and manipulation. Like he's not going to come off a ball screen the same way every time. Like we saw with Nick Smith last year, where it was Big just time. like, he's going to do a little hop skip and come off the screen. Like he's not going to reject it. He's not going <laughs> to split. Up. It's going to be the same every time. Yeah. Like Keyshawn does not have that issue. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. He's a guy that like the last time I updated my board, I think I put him like 24th. Cause I was like, I like him. I, I'm just like not deep enough into the film, like solely focused on just him to really put my foot down. But as we get closer to June, like I wouldn't say I'm more conservative with my board because there's guys that like when PJ Hall was like 98th on ESPN, I still had him like 28th. Right, Dylan Jones is a guy that I've had around like 20 the whole year. Like the guys that I really believe in, I'm like, yeah, I'm putting him high. Um, but I think when I ultimately make my bets of like, what is this guy going to have to look like on an NBA court in an NBA role? He's going to be a guy that moves up because I think this is a very malleable skill set that you can kind of just like plop on any team and it works. Yeah. Um, do you, and that's why to, I think teams are interested. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like if you're a team with multiple picks and like, you maybe think that high end like outcome could be in there. Like that's absolutely the kind of developmental bet that you take too. But even like, I don't know if, if like the Pistons make some sort of move where they have like another, like pick around like the 10 spot or so, like that's a mm-hmm. guy where it's like, Oh yeah, like totally. You can just plug in next to, to Caden Ivy and, and give them the shooting that they need. Yeah, hundred percent. Or like, I could see a team like Toronto really liking him, right? Absolutely, like, yeah. And and I think you know, where's Toronto right now? Like, they're pretty high up, and like, mm-hmm. so I, I do think he has like a a bunch of ranges where you're like, it could take one team who likes him in the top ten where you can see him going like, mm-hmm. you know, seventh or eighth or something, and then yeah, he could also slide to like, <laughs> you know, a, a weird part of the draft too, mm-hmm. um, but. I think his tools are just so interesting that there's yeah. going to be one team that's just like, let's, let's go for it. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And like Houston with that Brooklyn pick is another one too, where it's like, you just got a lot of guys that can't quite shoot still. And like mm-hmm. just plugging in a guy like that makes it, makes a world of difference. Um, yeah. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. We're going to talk some Nick Clifford and then some Ben Humrickhouse. So stick with us. We will be right back. All right, so let's talk about Nick Clifford because this is another guy that you were like driving the train for. You are a big Nick Clifford fan. He is a, uh, I believe, listed at six six, uh, kind of do it all player. Like one of those guys that's tough to pl- put a position label on because he just does a little bit of everything. At Colorado State, uh, strong body, kind of kind of good at everything. Uh, and you've been working on a piece on him. Uh, what has you so excited about about Clifford? Yeah. So, you know, look, anybody who's doing any work in this space is always going to try to like find any kind of statistical queries, you know, to figure out like what guys should I be monitoring Mm -hmm. that aren't like the guys that are on the board, right? Like who's been outperforming any kind of expectations. So as I was doing that, you know, I'll hop into the film and a lot of times I'm like, Nah, I don't think that works. Like, especially with like the mid-major guy. Like, you never know yeah. what you're gonna get. Like, you'll see a mid-major guy. It's a lot of times early in the year too, where it's like these numbers are crazy, and you'll watch. Yeah. It'll be like a six foot six guy who like can't run or jump or like move yeah. at all, and like they're just like really hot from the field, and that's it. Right. And so, but then I, you know, I went and, and I started digging into Neek, and I was like, oh, like he moves like NBA dudes move. Like he's strong all the stuff looks good. Like he's playing with pace. He's not sped up. Um, you dig into the defense and you're like, Oh, like he's a two way guy. Like for real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, crazy. So 
you know, and it's kind of weird in the draft space, right? Because the way this thing works online is like somebody pops for the week and then everyone's on board with, with the prospect and like they have, they, you know, they get this little bit of buzz because everyone's excited. They get to watch somebody new and then they kind of stick around and maybe they go, you know, up or down based on how they play, but they're there. And yeah. I feel like Neek is really not <laughs> getting any love weird, really yeah. from anywhere. Um, and I'm kind of perplexed on that because he impacts so many different areas of the game at a size in which like is impactful on an NBA floor. It's not like he's one of these guards who it's like averaging 25 and five, but they're five foot 11. And you're like, like <laughs> rock, like it's not going to work. Probably mm-hmm. it's going to be a great G leaguer. Like he's six, six strong as hell. He can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass, he can defend. Um, I'm driving the train. I'm not trying to say that he's going to be like a 20 point per game scorer. I very much don't think he's going to be able, you know, that that's going to be his role. But I think that he's just one of these guys that is going to be hard to find an offense in which he doesn't fit into it. Like he makes quick decisions. Um, Like he can play with the ball in his hands enough. Like he can run a ball screen. Like he can pull up at three levels. Um, You know, like the shot, like obviously he's had things. And I think one of the reasons that like, people are a little slower to come around because he had three not very good years at Colorado. And then he transfers to Colorado state and now he's like really playing well. So it's a little bit of like, where was this, you know, you, you transferred down, you know, like, but even in the games that you would need him to perform well in, like he's played well. Um, I just, I, I love what he does. I mean, you know, he's still having a super efficient year, even though he's like one for 17 in his last you know, four games from three, like he's still above 40% from three, but just like guys who I'll run like a little query for you right now, Yeah, yeah, yeah. in which he fits in, right? Usage over 20 effective field goal over 56 defensive rebound over 10. And and he's at like 24%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he is a badass Good rebounder. Yeah. Um, block and steal over two and a half assist over 10, 38% from three, five threes per hundred possessions, 80% from the free throw line. BPM over eight, more than 10 dunks. Chris Duarte, Vince Williams, Mikhail Bridges, Nick Clifford. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that you mentioned Vince Williams. Cause like, that was kind of a guy I was thinking about where it's just like mid major guy who maybe like feels in place a little bigger. He is, than he is because of the league that he's in, but just like so talented, like just yeah. so evidently good at a lot of things on a basketball court. Um, I will say, I think the shot is kind of where, I'm a little bit more concerned than I was with, with Vince Williams. Um, but I do want to touch on the positives first, because like you, you mentioned the defense and like, it's awesome. And it's awesome in a way that like, you don't always see with college players where like, he, he evidently like knows the scout in a lot of games. Like he knows like, this is a guy I close out on hard. This is a guy where I can close out soft. Like here's a guy I want to chase off the line. Like there was a game against Boise state where like, his closeouts were kind of perfect as far as who he was guarding. And uh, they have a, too. A, yeah, they have a really good three point shooter on Boise state. And like, he was like, Oh, I'm just going to guard him like glue. And like, he stuck to him. And Agbo was like a guy who moves really well for six, like a six foot seven lanky shooter with like a little bit of muscle on him. And he could not get free uh, from Clifford. He was all over him. Doesn't quit on plays always on the glass. And like, Colorado state's having this awesome season. And so much of that is Neek being like you said, a badass rebounder. Like if he is not 
all over the glass, this team kind of can't do what they do, like playing guys that are six seven, six eight, and then a tiny point guard and not a seven foot guy. Like if Neek doesn't rebound, this thing doesn't go. Um, really like his balance in space. Um, that rebound it can open up the grab and go stuff. My like nitpick with him is I wish he didn't leave his feet as easily. Like he gets because the help instincts are there. I think he gets a little over antsy. But ultimately, we're dealing with a guy with both block and steal rates over two point five, which is a a really good indicator. Um, and like that kind of stuff was there at Colorado. Like Evan on our crew, like always loved Neek, and so much of it was just he's always been good at a lot of stuff, even when the scoring didn't really pop. Um, offensively, like you mentioned, it, there's a lot to like. Um, love the handle, love the strength going downhill. One of those guys who's like got that real NBA power, uh, finishes above the rim, finishes against contact. And like you mentioned, like there's some three level stuff. Like he's got this nice mid post game. There's pull up stuff. I just really struggle with the shot. And like, I, I don't like the low time on it. I don't like how many he passes up. And I just think without the shot, I worry that the outcome looks a little bit more like Terry Taylor than a guy that is like a, a Vince Williams. And like, that's where I'm a little bit hung up is like, yes, he's got feel. He can do all this stuff, but like he needs, he needs to be like a respectable enough shooter. I don't think he needs to be stellar, but I think he at least needs to be more willing and hit like a decent percentage to kind of be a guy that's on the floor all the time. Where do you think that shot kind of needs to settle in terms of like output, like volume and, and percentage for him to, to be a rotation guy every night? Yeah. I mean, I, I would like if he was taking more every game, but like, it's tough because he, their offense gets so spread out at times and like, he's only taking like 10 or 11 shots every night, you know? Yeah. He's not taking a ton. And like, so it's hard to be like, oh, I wish he was taking five threes every night when like he's doing so many other things and he's contributing off the ball. Um, I would love it, but like, you know, I, I'm okay with it. Not, I think his form is pretty nice. Like there are times where his elbow gets a little bit flared out. Um, but I think he's got really good balance. Um, and this is something he's really worked on the shot. Like he, you know, I, I did a film session with him that you can watch on the no ceilings, uh, YouTube channel. And like, he told us, you know, Albert and I, like, you know, him, his trainer, like they really repped out like shooting and prioritized that this off season. So one of the reasons like he's made a big shooting jump is because it's something that he really prioritized as far as putting in work in. And you could tell that it's like something that I think is sustainable because not only is he doing it from the three point line, but he's also having the best season of his career from the free throw line. And like a lot of times when you look at those guys who you have to kind of question their shot a little bit, cause they're taking this big jump mm-hmm. in three point percentage, but then their free throw percentage is right in line with their career free throw percentage. So it like might just be that variance um, for Neek. I think that he, he put in work and he's just seeing results. Um, and I think that obviously this is something that you continue to get better at. And he does so many things off the bounce as a shooter that I'm like, it's only a matter of time. And like, also this is somebody we're talking about who's shooting over 40% from three right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, uh, and I don't think he right now is necessarily like clay from behind the line, but like he's shooting over 40% for three. He's over 80% from the free throw line and he's doing stuff off the bounce all over the floor. Like in that Boise state game, it was a missed shot. Um, but just the confidence we'll just to kind of make a combo three. move, like between the legs yeah. behind the back, like I love seeing that in uh, the last game where I think he was like four for 11 overall. And this, it wasn't a three point attempt, but he had like this m- wicked 
mid post fadeaway shot, like in a defender's grill, like that you're just like, if you're not a shooter, like you don't take these kind of shots. So to me, to me, it's just a process with him as far as uh-huh. like, if you're questioning it, um, especially because of the historical precedents that he's kind of had throughout his career, which I don't think you discount, but sure, um, sure. just what I know from, from speaking with him and talking about what he did specifically to, to improve that part of his game. And then just seeing on the film, like, I, I've never looked at it and been like, man, that's way too slow to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, the volume, I, I've always been like, it's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe eight threes per 100 possessions instead of, you know, mm-hmm. six or whatever. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, it's it, this is just a part of him growing as a, you know, as a player. And it, he's not, just because he, he is a senior, he's not done growing, obviously. And he took this opportunity to transfer to kind of show that he has a lot more to his game. Um so I, I don't know. It's hard to make a case against him being good. <laughs> yeah. So to, and to your you know? point, and just to kind of get, add some context too. So three seasons prior to this, uh, was only taking 1.7 threes per game at 33.8% and 1.3 free throws per game at 60.6%. This year, 2.9 threes per game. So like a, a solid career high, uh, 40.8% on those. And then 2.3 free throws, at 81.4%. Um, something that stands out to you just looking at like the synergy numbers here. Um, one thing that I always kind of liked with Jaime Jaquez, uh, and like, he's the guy where like, the three hasn't been unreal this year, but he's good enough at basketball that he's on the court every night on a good team. Yeah. Um, was, he was always a good pull up two point shooter and always really good at the unguarded threes. Um, and Clifford is 41.2% on unguarded threes, 48.5% on pull up twos on the year. So it's just like, I don't know. Those are, those are some good indicators. It's just hard yeah. to know like how much to weigh that, that previous data uh, given, given the leap. So an interesting guy, uh, definitely a player to monitor. And I hope he gets that kind of like buzz and run. Cause like, and it seems like draft Twitter too, like they like in general, like I feel like is, is a collective and is a group, like we, we gravitate toward these like quirky guys. I'm like, he, is that? And for some reason he just hasn't gotten that. that well, dude, thing. like, even Jalen Williams, people have a much, I have a much different memory of the Jalen Williams. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of people gave themselves a very different memory of the Jalen Williams experience and everyone, everyone had him seventh now. Is the yeah. yeah. um, Jalen Williams didn't even really have a ton of buzz. Like until the combine really. Yeah. It, that was, that was when the buzz really happened. Like, and even then people were like, Oh, well he's playing in the combine. Like he's not going to go lottery. Yeah, no, no one like very few people had him that high. Like, you know, because like I, me and Nate having conversation about having him in the lottery and putting him there, and like, like Albert wrote more. in his Albert wrote in his piece that he like wanted the Knicks to take him out eleven, and that was like him going out on a. It felt like that was him going out on a limb. So like, yeah. um, sometimes these things just are really like this process could be slow for people for whatever reason. Um, a lot of times it feels like that for the West Coast guys, where like I don't know, people yeah, aren't catching late, them live as much. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I don't think Neek has the same, like, um, he's not going to have a seven foot three wingspan and like the, high no, he, he told, he told me, he, was, well, but. You know, he told me it was six, eight, like his okay. wingspan. Um, he's like, I'm not, you know, I don't have a negative wingspan, but he's probably not as long as you think it is, but he's so strong that like, yeah, he's strong and can jump. So I'm not yeah, you go into his chest, like he's winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, and I don't think he has the same off the bounds juice that Jalen had. So, uh, but I think that he's, he might be a slow kind of grind and he's a guy that I think like, if he gets to the combine, like, I think he could, he could shine in, in a similar way. 
for sure. All right. So let's go to Ben Helmrichhaus at Evansville. Uh, this is a dude that was on my radar kind of earlier in the year. Uh, just wrote a quick blurb about him uh, and then uh, had some conversations with, with people recently. And it does seem like there's a real level of NBA interest there. Um, and was the guy I decided to focus on, uh, especially if you're looking into some of the data. So uh, let's start this one off with a, a data query as well. Uh, over the last 10 years, guys, six, eight or taller, assist to turnover ratio of 1.5 to 1, 50% on twos, 40% on threes while taking nine or more per 100 possessions, BPM of 5.5 or above. It is Duncan Robinson, Trey Murphy, Cam Johnson, Sam Hauser, and Ben Humrichaus. So the success rate is pretty good on that on that list. So uh, there's, you know, I understand the hangups. He's, he's a guy that's playing at Evansville in a mid-major conference, but um, was the guy that just stood out to me early in the year because he he is six foot nine. He's big. He's got a, a pretty strong body, can really stroke it from three, but also just like a really good decision maker, not speedy off the line, but like has a handle and can put it on the deck a little bit, sees the floor really well. Uh, good decision maker, has some bounce to him, uh, is found, you know, openings where he can kind of use the scoring gravity to cut. Um, the defense is is shaky, and I think if you're going to have concerns with him, that's probably where it is. It's not a great lateral mover, but I think there's some technique stuff that can be cleaned up. And like NBA people I talk to, it's um, the, the feedback I always get with defense in general is like if it's on ball technique stuff, like that's something that, that we can teach. If it's a guy that like has no idea what's happening, that's a much different battle. Uh, I think the awareness is good, um, especially as like a, a weak side shot blocker. Good physical strength. I like the length. To me, this is a guy that like. I think is a reasonable second round pick and he's got the grad year uh, transfer up played three years of NAIA before this um, has always been a good shooter prior to this year, but like 60% on two, 44% from three um, at that size with that strength. Cause uh, is saying he's definitely not six foot nine. I, I know a lot of people who've seen him up close that do say that he is at least six foot eight. So dude, I think he looks huge. Yeah. He looks massive. Um, like, and, and, like, and the length so- looks good too. So. Yeah, he looks long. So I just looked it up. Tucker DeVries is listed at 6'7". Yeah. He looks so much bigger than Tucker in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Like he towered over him. I was like, yeah. I'm like, this dude's listed at 6'9". Now, I, I understand like a lot of the other players that are on the court with all of these guys aren't mm-hmm. like your typical size that maybe you would find in like the SEC or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like Tucker is a pretty, you know, legitimate NBA size dude, right? Yeah. And Ben looks he looked monstrous. And I'm like, he looks every, I to me, he looks six nine. On, yeah. Like on video. And like I've seen Tucker in person. And like Tucker is not like he looked his listed height against UIC and he also like looked his his frame too, like solid. Like he he is not a guy that um yeah, like I thought, like seemed like he would be at a physical disadvantage much at the next level. So for Ben to look big next to him, I, I think means something. Like it's it's a good sign for a mid-major guy. Um, yeah. So yeah, so he's a guy that, that I'm really interested in. Um, I wish he was a little bit better of a rebounder. Um, I wish he moved a little bit better laterally. Uh, but ultimately, like if I'm betting on a guy, like I don't hate six foot nine flamethrower who knows how to move the ball and like has a handle and can pass and like just started to get really good a year ago. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's where I'm at with Umber Cows. What were your <laughs> thoughts kind of diving into the film? Cause he's a guy that like, I haven't really got to have a ton of conversations about because it's a lot of like, 
yes, I've seen him. Like, yes, I'm kind of interested, but I haven't done a lot of work or like straight up. I have not seen him at all yet, but he's on my kind of stuff. So, uh, my first note is beautiful stroke shot and size combo equals good. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes it's that simple, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, so I, he's, he's really fluid Mm -hmm. for somebody who I do think is a legit, six nine like he has a pretty creative handle um but he's a very slow mover mm-hmm. so like i put like it's almost like kyle anderson-esque in a way where it like yeah. all looks fluid uh but maybe it's like a little bit slow motion mm-hmm. um but like he's he can get to his spots you know as a shooter um i think he can shoot it off the bounce a little bit but like when you're looking at like what is he going to do in the league now if let's say he got drafted and you're like yeah whatever he's probably gonna spend time in the g league mm-hmm. whatever he's more of like a spot up guy like what i want i'd like to see more of from him is like i haven't i don't think he does enough movement stuff as a shooter okay um, I think like transition stuff and like how he sets his feet and like has his balance and transition is good but yeah i was kind of thinking about that more so in like my- even when he comes off a of flare he doesn't like create a ton of space off of it yeah and i think he's gonna be one of those guys that like we talked about like guards that need a screen to get open like I almost wonder if he's like a shooter that needs to screen to get open. Like if that's going to be how the screens come is like more of like a pick and pop kind of guy. And like right. that's how it develops. But yeah, getting that. But like if foot speed and movement, would, if would we're be looking good. at him in like a, like, could he have like Duncan Robinson in him? You know, like there's a, not, yeah, it's not that kind of mover. He's not that kind of mover, but like, I think he could be, mm-hmm. but uh, he, I, I definitely think it's something he has to kind of um, figure out because I, I think what makes shooters like that, so deadly outside of the fact obviously that like high efficiency three-point volume is good for your offense is like duncan robinson even before this year where like now he's starting to put the ball on the deck and you know and everything like Mm -hmm. he can come off like a dho and i think ben's a good enough passer that he could do this too it's just like he could sprint off of a dho and like sprint into the shot or like he can make the quick read to like see the slip and like hit bam on the roll and stuff and like i think Mm -hmm. that kind of part of being like a movement shooter is what is so like makes you so deadly because now you're not just worried about one specific person on the action, but like if that ball swings that way and now because you have so much gravity, you have multiple defenders that are trying to jump it to contest your shot. Like, can you make that read? Like, I don't think he moves quick enough off the ball in those actions to kind of take advantage of that. And, you know, maybe that's something that you just see more of when you have, when you're playing with like better players that are more like capable of, you know, finishing the finishing action. Um, but that's something that I wanted to kind of see a little bit more of him, obviously defensively, like his defensive impact numbers aren't great. I mean, his block percentage is pretty, you know, pretty it's impressive, good, yeah. you know, okay. Steel percentage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the block percentage probably he's, he's long and he's, he knows how to use it. And, but a lot of it's probably just the conference that he's playing in. Like he's getting some of that just from being big. Mm-hmm. Um, the lateral movements, a little scary, not on wings and forwards and pretty content with how he guards guys his own size yeah but like when he gets switched onto a guard like it's he gets dusted yeah and he's really narrow a lot of the time too like he feels very very like hands is too close to his body a little too upright yeah so i he just he seems like the kind of guy who like like i can't promise that if a team drafts him like you're gonna be the team that extracts the value from him sure yeah i think that's fair um especially i think given like i mentioned like that late blooming nature and like i think part of the sell for me is that this idea of um 
like resources where this isn't a guy who played at Duke for four years and is coming out slow footed. Like this is a guy who is it in an AIA and and then Evansville were like, and I mean this in like no way to like disrespect Evansville. Like the reason he went there is because he loves the coaching staff. Like I'm that's where he wants Mm -hmm. to be. Um, But in terms of just like dietary program, physical training, like that sort of stuff that like, I wonder if an NBA team with those resources is going to be better able to extract some of those things. Mm -hmm. And then maybe he does move better Then maybe he contains the smaller guys better. Maybe the movement stuff is a little bit more likely to come along. So I'd rather bet on like him as a slower guy than like a slow guy that's played at a high major program for four years. Um, For sure. And and I'm in like, I'm in like, I watch it and I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, like the defensive concerns are what they are, right? Like, Mm -hmm all of those guys typically have had those defensive concerns coming out, but like, um, you know, even, you know, Sam Hauser's a guy now who's like a very good defender. Yeah. And like, I think we're both big on the, the train of thought. Like, I, I think there's something that people can miss on a lot. It's like, it's different to be a bad defender who is like six foot one and can't contain the ball at all. And to be a bad defender who is like six foot eight, but is long and is strong. Like those yeah. are just two, like, there is an ocean between the, those two different types of players and their ability to stay on the floor. Like, especially like watching um, like Bulls Timberwolves up, up close, like a week and a half ago, it's just staggering to be like, wow, Kyle Anderson is slow. And then like, you see him still just like <laughs> be able to contain the ball. Um, and then conversely, and like, I still, I still like believe in this player as long-term proposition, but like, Julian Phillips even like has that length, but it was just so easy for Ant to move him uh, yeah. because of like what his frame is at this point that like I just that extra size and that strength, I think matters so significantly in a way that doesn't really get accounted for a lot. Yeah. And again, like, I think he's huge. So like, yeah, you know, like I, I think that's, that's really helpful for him. Um, mm-hmm. But I came away and it's like, obviously you take the competition for what it is like he's not going to come into the league probably in his first few years and do some of the Mm. stuff he's able to do off the bounce. But like the fact that he has it in his back pocket to where it's like, all right, we'll do this simple stuff and get you on the floor. And then like, I don't know, maybe you can bust that out every now and then. And like, he has things that make you go, all right, he's not just like a one dimensional shooter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I kind of like him as like a, like a second round two way ish kind of guy. If you were to go in this year and like, I think, with that like size and feel, I think there's a chance for him to have a really strong pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, we're going to go to one more break and then we're going to come back with some sleepers on the other side. So stick with us. All right. So let's kick off the sicko session with a guy that you recently did some work on behind the paywall at No Ceilings Plots. Uh, definitely worth checking out. This is one of my favorite like pieces that's been on the site all year. Corey did a phenomenal piece with some live scouting notes, uh, but also some scuttlebutt, some intel. A very big piece of intel that I've not seen reported anywhere else is in that article uh, pertaining to a guy who might be a top pick in the draft. So definitely go over there and sign up if you've not already. Uh, but one of the players- I will say that also yeah. for your No Ceilings Plus point, um, the No Ceilings Plus Discord had the Ron Holland news first yes yeah they did get the news before anybody else did so if you were not subscribed to no sense plus you were missing out on a lot of good stuff so definitely make sure you get over there um let's talk about Xavier lee from princeton who's the guy that we talked about i talked about him with steven like months ago um it was one of those guys were like ah, you know hot start to the year you know after coming off uh inadequate freshman season but then a really hot summer um doing some work with the the canadian national team 
Uh, and it just seems like these numbers have not cooled off. <laughs> like it was one of those guys where it's like, ah, he's, he's having some good games. Like, let's just see what this looks like in February. And, and we're still there. Uh, so he was the guy that you wanted to touch on today. Uh, what have you seen from him up close? And, and what do you kind of think of him long term? Um, yeah, so I had such a good time at the Princeton game scouting him that I almost bought a Princeton shirt. <laughs> yeah. So he's just electric, mm-hmm. and I don't want to throw this name around because I'm not saying that he has, you know, he's going to be this person, but he brings like a joy and an electricity to the game in the same way that I feel like Tyrese Halliburton does. Oh, I was going to say Tyrese Maxey too, where it's just like the vibes feel so off the charts. Like it just seems like, oh man, I'd like to play with that guy. Um, yes, it, it, I think that that too. But, like, I don't know, man. He was just such a joy to watch as a basketball fan. Like, he is just, he's so talented. He does a little bit of everything. Um, he can really, really shoot it. He plays with this confidence that is not, like, is the exact amount of confidence that you want. Like, it doesn't turn to arrogance and, like, where ego gets in the way. Like, he'll still make the right play and the right decision, um, even if he's cooking. But, like, he had a sequence in the game that I saw against Penn where like he had 11 points in like a three minute span. And it went from like, okay, Penn shouldn't be winning. And like he was playing in the flow of the offense. And then like he used opportunities where it's like, all right, he got out in transition and knocked down a three off the, you know, like with everyone on their heel and he just kept building on it. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, like Princeton is going to win this game easily because he just kind of turned it on and took over when he needed to but he's smart, he's heady. And he, it honestly, he doesn't have like enough on ball usage, you know, to me for like the team that he's on, you know, because yeah. you know, he's they're in the very, like egalitarian there. Like it's like a little, like everybody gets a touch. Like it's a very, it's a very, everyone gets the ball sort of offense. Yeah. And there were just times where I was just like, you guys should pass it to Xavier because like it's, he's going to get you a better look, but he just made like some, re- he, he had this, um, this live dribble left-handed underhand pass on a rope to the corner, like off, like where I was like, Oh my God, like right on the money. Like nobody else on the floor could make that pass. Um, he's just, I haven't had that much fun scouting a prospect live in a long time. And, you know, I see a lot of games in person mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he, he made that game the most amount of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. He is a, there's a lot of interesting guard prospects in the Ivy league, but I think he's kind of closer to the top uh, of that list. Like he, he is so herky jerky in a way that is just like mesmerizing <laughs> to watch and like on and off the ball too. Like if you look at like how he can, move to get open because like I mentioned, like this is a very like free flowy cutty. Everyone is getting the ball kind of offense. Like everything doesn't run through him. So whether it's to set up a defender and get them off balance before he comes off a ball screen, whether that's to shoot a three or two to dive to the basket, like he just knows how to move in a way that is like really difficult to keep up with. Um, He broke somebody. He broke his defender so badly off a handoff. Like mm -hmm. he came off super hard from his spot on the wing to like the handoff at like, you know, uh, the top of the three point line. 
and just stopped on a dime. Yeah. Right as he got to the his man and then back cut to the original spot. And like his man was anticipating where he was gonna be coming off the handoff on the other side. And he he garnered like six feet of space, seven feet of space. Mm-hmm. And the, his man didn't even know where he was. And he didn't get the ball after he did all that work. I was a little frustrated because he was right in front of me. But like, I was like, that's like super crafty stuff that you just like, you just have that or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You I know? think he's like a good athlete, like a good athlete. And um, he's tough, man. Like he, like yeah. I posted it on our, our YouTube channel and our socials. He had this finish for like that he actually finished the play for an N1 and he got absolutely hammered. Like he, like two cars crashing into different parts of his body and he finished through the contact, like no doubts about it in his mind. Like he's a tough kid who embraces physicality, very skinny. Um, Yeah. He needs, he does need to get stronger, but I at least feel good about it with the shoulders that he has. Big, yeah, big broad shoulders. And the fact that like he is, not letting that like ruin his game like he's getting to the rim and a lot of it's assisted but like still a good rim pressure guy and a good finisher like if if this was a guy that was like like andrew Rody at virginia who was like a sub 50 percent finisher in the summit league last year like i would be worried but with savion it's like the shoulders are there and he's he's making these shots at the rim so mm-hmm. when a guy is still converting that gives you a lot more time to work with it than when a guy like can't make a layup in the half court yeah. And just to be clear, like, you know, this is not even a, this is not a one game sample. Like no, Xavion's been cooking this whole year and like he contributes in ways like in all over the floor. Like he's, he rebounds the, the crap out of the ball and he Good goes after boards. Guard. Yeah. He goes after boards. He has a great feel for how it's coming off the glass. You know, he can really pass. He can run a ball screen. He can make a connective play. He's a cutter. He's a really good cutter, you know, and then even if he gets a ball off the cut, he can, you know, drop it off and make a play almost like a short roll passer. Like he's a guy that I think when you're, we're looking at guards in this class and, you know, I, all indications point to like right now, expect him to be back in college. Mm-hmm. We all know that thing. All of that can change, you know, in a flash yeah, no, and he could yeah. be a this year guy. Regardless, I would take him as a prospect over so many of the guards that are ranked higher than him in this class. Um, and I, I just, I, I think he's, he's the kind of guy that if he did transfer up, he would have no problem doing it. And like, he would explode as far as like, yeah, you know, right his, his national recognition. Yeah. And I, be, I believe he's had some like good games against high major opposition this year. I could be wrong. I'm going to check into that right now. Um, the big reason like I would like to see him go back is I just want to see the pull up game kind of actualize itself a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, he had 16 against Rutgers, uh, St. Joe's isn't high major, but it's a bigger program. He had 20 and nine, 20 points and nine boards against them. So like, this isn't a guy who is crapping his pants when he's out there against, no. against bigger and better opposition. Yeah. So and then he was good for Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to see the, the pull team kind of come along a little bit, but a, a very, very interesting. It looked good when I saw him for sure. Yeah. It looked yeah. good when I, I saw think him. can get there. So, uh, not, not something I'm out on at all. Um, let's talk about Janai Broom from Auburn a little bit. This is a guy that I've been, uh, just kind of confused by for a long time because I think he's a guy that's like (laughs) clearly good at basketball. Uh, but, and like had a really good like pre-draft kind of two years in a row now. Um, super effective, like stuffs the stat sheet, uh, like 16.1 points per game, 54 from the field, 36 from three, still like not a great free throw shooter. Uh, tough as hell strong 
good rebounder who's really developed his feel as a passer, which like was not there at Moorhead State a couple years ago. And now at Auburn, he's like a reliable kind of table setter and guy who can set things up for other people. Um, he's always been a good shot blocker and he kind of leaned out. I thought this off season, like looking at him physically compared to the guy who like tested the waters when he was at Moorhead state versus the guy that he is now, he's much slimmer and like much better on smaller players and like has a little bit of switchability to him. The shot blocking is just like kind of weird to me because so much of it is strength predicated, but I can't imagine that he weighs like more than 240 pounds he is six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan and doesn't really jump. And it's just one of these things where it's like, I look at all of these numbers and like all of them are like, yeah, that's an NBA center. And then like, <laughs> I watch the games and I'm still just like, what is this? Like, this is a guy that's like six foot nine, doesn't have the measurables, doesn't really have the athleticism, but like now I'm almost wondering, could he be a big that plays next to another big? now that like the jump shot is there and some of the passing stuff is there. Like, I, I think there's much more of a path with the developments that his game has made this year that now I'm like, I like if Adamus, Adamus Sanogo went in the second round, like I think he's probably more interesting than Sanogo was a year ago. Um, I, I, I don't know. What do <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of like, the broom? So literally the first thing I wrote down was have always struggled with. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. He's just a weird player. Steven was on him early this year. I know we, um, I think he wrote well, about he like, loved him. Yeah. He's like NBA player Andrew hiding was. in plain sight was, mm-hmm. I think something he, he had said. So you mentioned all like the measurements and, and all that where you're like, like, he's kind of the size of like a, a forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like not one that has awesome measurables, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah. So I'm like trying to figure out like, all right, well, like who could he be? What could he play like? Right. Cause he's like a wing size center who isn't super explosive. Yeah, but somehow it's like a block like, rate over 10 in the SEC. Like yeah, and, and I'm like, all right, so what if he's like got a little Taj Gibson in him? And, okay. then, I, and then I looked at Taj's measurements, and I'm like, oh, Taj has got a 7'4 wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they have a similar standing reach, and like they're a similar, they're a similar size. Um, and Broom is shooting threes which yeah. to be honest i'm like a little skeptical about because his free throw percentage is right in line with his career free throw percentage and he's not the volume isn't like super high but it's like sure but it's like pretty high for a center um comparatively to like guys who have got drafted mm-hmm. now the thing is like we can sit and like talk about like all the things that we're like not stoked on or like we're having trouble with but I went through like my center prospect hit queries and like, so he, there are, I have 20 different categories mm-hmm. that I track for center prospects. Mm-hmm. He's got zero red flags. That's the thing. It's, it's like, it, like it kind of just feels like he's going to figure this out. And then he's got eight, green flags which is one standard deviation above the mean and then he's like above average in another seven category like he's only slightly below average in like certain categories so like his production this year says like oh you should take this dude like in like the top 20 or something you know what i mean yeah and like i don't really have a good argument against it Mm -hmm. yeah even though i'm like i'm not there with it 
Um, cause I do think you have to trust your eyes as much as the numbers sometimes. And like, I don't think he's like an elite prospect no, for all no. of the reasons that we said, but like, he's like a, a pretty good passer. Although a lot of it comes out of like him getting it's the ball on the block. Yeah. Um, you, you want to see a little bit more like short roll stuff, which like, there's not like a ton of evidence of, and like so much of his work is like, Oh, go to work on the block rather than like things he'll be tasked to do. If the shooting can continue to improve, like, and I think there is some, you know, functional stuff, like he's got like a flappy hand, <laughs> like after he releases it, it's like, yeah, it, like ricochets up and down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, it's hard to argue against if a team took him like, you know, cause he's like the type of dude that like Memphis would take four years ago. Yeah. 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 When it's like just who produces. Yeah. So, and, and it's hard to argue against that. Like if he ends up being one of the, you know, 14 best players from, you know, this draft, I'm not going to be like shocked by it. But also I do think he has like some things stylistically that he has to change to adapt his game to a more NBA style. So offense. yeah. So talking about him within the NBA context, here's a comp I was thinking about like their college production is completely different. I'm just talking in terms of like positionally, maybe in that like big next to another big kind of role. What if he's, if Dean Wade could kick your ass? <laughs> like, what, like, is that like a, a role that he could play where it's like, here's this big guy. He can move around a little bit, a little bit more rim protection than Dean Wade, a little bit more physicality, but like he's out on the perimeter and he's just going to like make quick decisions. And that's it. Like just like a simplified, more perimeter oriented role. Like, is that something? But like you said, like it's, it could be. it's just really tricky for me because like you said, so much of it is out of the post and that's just like, not what this is and like if he's going to be dean wade like he's going to need to shoot a ton of threes and, yeah because like if the shot's not scary, real like if the shot isn't real like i don't know what this is yeah that and that's the big thing and then it's also it's like all right well he's like you mentioned it's not like he's like doing a ton of like this athletic play out of nowhere coming over from the weak side and swatting a shot like, at the rim you <laughs> yeah, know it's like he swallows guys up and then like it's it's like true rim protection stuff where it's like yeah he meets a guy and like will throw his chest on them and they drive into him and like they can't really handle the toughness and like then he bats it out of the air but he's not like high pointing a ball rotating yeah. from the weak side and like i like he's got quick hands so like his steal percentage is pretty good for like a he's center good, yeah. like it's like elite for a center prospect mm -hmm. um but then like he's good at guarding a drop and kind of figuring out like when you know being the cat and mouse but at the same I mean, time yeah. a lot of times when that ball gets to the like a uh, somebody who's popping a little bit he doesn't have the length to kind of truly contest it and now you're adding more distance to the three-point line with guys who are like a little bit taller and probably a little bit more consistent as shooters off the ball and you, you can start questioning like if all the things he's good at are going to be good enough but like they might be like they, yeah like yeah they, they could just be good enough and you just like because a lot of times i think when we question like, ah, oh, like, I wonder if this player is going to be able to do that at the next level. And it's like, if they have a coaching staff that believes them in them as a player, a lot of times they just look like the same exact player at the NBA level as they did in the college level. And all the questions yeah. that you had make you feel foolish. Yeah. 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 I think that's more than fair. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to, uh, to your last sleeper here, Isaiah Crawford from Louisiana <laughs> tech. Um, if they had like a Bartorvik award, in college basketball, they would go to him like just like the last like three, four years in a row. It feels like you can't run a query without Isaiah Crawford coming up uh, six foot six, like true big wing, like probably like 220, 225, like thick yeah. body, um, really good defender. 
some interesting feel on the offensive end. What have, what have you been seeing with Isaiah Crawford? Yeah. So first thing I want to do uh, is shout out Conference USA and, and FIU's uh, amazing beach court. Oh, I hate that court with the pad. <laughs> it, is the, it is an abomination. I think it's like the coolest looking basketball court that's probably oh, ever it. existed, but to play on it has got to be an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like figuring out where the out of bounds are because even in like the corner opposite the water i like can't see where the three-point line is but like if like true corner right mm-hmm. there's like a uh a, a jungle like <laughs> leaf coming off and i'm like where's the out of bounds so whatever but shout out to them it looks amazing gotta be horrible to play on <laughs> um but that was one of my notes from you know watching isaiah crawford games he is kind of the weirdest player like you could talk about um yeah because you look at him if you were like well he's like a big wing creator guy but also like he plays a lot of like big man Mm -hmm. he's like a two three who plays four like he's always like he plays the big man in like all the horn sets that they run but then he'll also get the ball to the top of the key and iso you and dice you up and like shoot a tough shot off the bounce in your grill you know, like, so he's like super weird in that way. And then like yeah. his, he's got a, a stock percentage over 10, you know, he's got a, his block percentage is six, his steal percentage is 4.2. Some of that obviously is like him being in conference USA and just being so much bigger than everybody else. But like, he has real like defensive instincts as a shot blocker that are like translatable and like, dude, like he'll guard centers and actually like play a drop. And, and like actually play the cat and mouse and be able to like, and then he he's good enough to like use his length to guard jump shooters. Like he's an interesting defensive prospect. He has at least one block and one steal combined in his last nine games. <laughs> he's got a game this year where he has seven blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's a funky dude. He does. And like you on the surface, you look at him and be like, I don't, you're not going to give him the, the rock and tell him to create at the next level a ton. But like, he also plays so much as a screener and like he'll roll, he'll pop. Like he's just a really funky, funky dude um, with an interesting play style. And like, I was like thinking, I'm like, can he kind of be like a Dorian Finney Smith type prospect at the next level hmm. where like you're utilizing some of the on ball juice that you had in college, not as like a, like an ISO creator, like he is, um, at the college level, but like you're using it to where now you can effectively like the ball can swing to you off a screen and now you can feel totally confident giving it to him and letting him like attack a closeout and make decisions with the ball in his hands going downhill. Um, and then like if he can lean into prioritizing like a lot of the defense, you know, you're looking at a guy who can be really versatile because he's big, he's strong, he's long, and he has really good like instincts as a uh, defensive playmaker. So like, if he can be that kind of wing, I think it could be somebody who's like really, really interesting because he's funky and like, yeah, he's got so many different tools. I don't know. He's, he's just somebody I've always kind of been interested in. Cause it's not often that you see all these like weird ancillary tools for somebody who also has like a little bit of shake and creation to like go get a bucket. Yeah. It's a weird game. Um, yeah. I, I love the defense. Like you mentioned, like just the, the length, the, the awareness, um, timing, I don't love like the hips and the feet. Like, I feel like he is like a little heavy and a little bit slow. And that's where I worry about him a little bit more. But like we mentioned, like, I, 
when you are big and strong, it, it makes a huge difference. Um, and like, he's a guy where I don't, I would guess the wingspan is probably like at least a plus four. Like he is, uh, yeah. he's long. It looks like um, it. So I, I think he should be effective there. Like it's, it's hard to imagine a guy that's like six, five, eight, 4% CR, like not finding a way to be a good defender at the next level, even if he's a little bit slow. Um, and then like, yeah, like this ridiculous pull-up game where he's got this like high release in the mid range and just shoots over everybody and can make everything. And, has this tight handle and these long strides. And like, if he, his first step kind of stinks, which is like where I'm lower yeah, on like, he's like a little slower. Smith kind of comp. But at the same time, like if he does get his step on anybody, he's so strong. Like he just like put, keeps him on his hip and that's it. Like guys don't recover against him ever. Um, and he's, he's been good off the catch from deep this year. That was, always kind of my reservation with him in the past was that he was a guy kind of like we were talking about with Nick Clifford, Rick, the three point volume has, has never been high and it, it's still not high. Um, but a couple of years ago, I watched a game from him where he was, he was really passing up a lot of threes. He was hanging his head a lot. Um, and I wasn't really thrilled with that, but I like that kind of stuff has been better in the games I've seen this year. It seems like he's a little bit more willing to, to hit those shots and take them. Uh, and he does see the floor really well on the go. So it's like six, six guy with, with this, with strength and length who does a little bit of everything on both sides of the court and like maybe the shot isn't there but the volume is low but he's a career 39.5 percent shooter and a, a solid free throw shooter to me like he's a guy where it's going to be really interesting to see in the portsmouth where it's just like all right here's everybody else now what do you do and like even if he's like craig porter was a guy who got a lot of buzz coming out of portsmouth last year but he wasn't particularly good at portsmouth it was more just like I did some stuff within the flow of the game and holy crap, look at these numbers. Let's bring them in for workouts. Like, yeah. I wonder if he can have that kind of rise where it's just like, if he, if he holds his own and looks good enough and does enough of the stuff that he's done there, can that get his foot in the door with teams? And then all of a sudden he's on a two way and then getting a real contract. Like that's well, kind of what I see the path. To also speak to his side, like he's bigger than Craig Porter. Was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's you know, like, yeah. He's so I think that's also something that it's like, all right, well, he's, got all these funky numbers and he's also like a big legitimate sized wing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, he, like he's somebody who you can legitimately play like center in that conference at times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I think that speaks to, like, I think that stuff like that, sometimes you look at it and you're like, ah, it's kind of weird and funky. Like, and you talk about like, how is that going to translate? But it also teaches you weird skills that make <laughs> you like super valuable. Like when it you does. have, you know, um, so I don't know. I th I do think he's going to have a lot of interest as team, you know, because I've had a bunch of, um, you know, NBA people now. They're like, all right, well, the trade deadline's over. Like, I'm excited. Yeah, your deadline over is being more for us, which is college great. guys. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> so I, I think he's a, a, you know, obviously a deep guy. There's there's contextual stuff that you kind of got to be like, all right, no, it's not the greatest conference in the world. Mm -hmm but he's got some funky stuff to his game that you, you kind of, and he's been around. It's not like he's, you know, somebody who's coming out of nowhere. He's always been a kind of like funky guy. So it's just, I, I think he's, he's going to be one of these guys who, who he'll name, his name will start to heat up a little bit more as, as we just look for anything to talk about as we get to June and there's no games on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so another guy kind of similar in some ways is, is Jalen Williams from Auburn who I wanted to bring up six foot eight, like two thirty, two thirty five, big body. Um, 
I was so interested in him after his sophomore year. And then he just had like a horrific junior season the year that Jabari Smith was there. Like his role just kind of got taken away and like, he wasn't very good. And then bounced back a little bit last year and coming to the year for me was one of those guys where it's like, I would kind of, right? yeah, I wrote about him for the, yeah. on no ceilings plus for, uh, for more stones unturned. It's like, you kind of at least got to give a guy like this an X 10, like an E 10, because he's, he's really big and really knows how to play and can pass and defend multiple positions. And, he rebounds and he's tough and he plays the right way. And like, it's just a question of the shot. Um, this year, he's been awesome. 13 points per game, 58% from the field, 41.4% from three, 81% from the line. Uh, but like good assist rate, always positive assist turnover, always having like steal and block rates around two. Um, one of those guys who just like pops on film. Like you watch the games and it just feels like everything's a little bit better when he's out there really crafty with like using pass fakes and shot fakes to get to his spots um can fly in on the offensive glass uh just feels like one of those straw that stirs the drink kind of players and 74 percent at the rim in the half court yeah awesome awesome at the rim like and and i think like that's part of it is like he has these physical tools but it just feels like he outsmarts the defense in a lot of ways that aren't like super traditional that i think will work in a scaled down role like he already is in kind of a scaled down role but like certain times it's like, oh, this guy's like really good at running ball screens. And it's like, well, that's not what he's going to do at the next level. Like he knows how to shake things up and keep defenders on their toes when it's like, I'm attacking a closeout or I am, I got, uh, I came off a ball screen and, and I've got a runway headed toward the rim. Like he knows how to maximize those kind of situations. Uh, and I think that's stuff that's going to matter a lot when it's just like, here comes a quick rotation. What is the pass? What's the read here? He's going to be able to step in and do those things right away. The shot does still scare me because the release is super funky. Uh, so I'm not like convinced that this 40% from three thing is real, but I think that if it is like, or if it's close to real, it's been a good free throw shooter though. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is like, I think at worst a guy like this can be an innings eater and like, he can throw you in and not get killed. Like I love the, just like baseline, will this guy embarrass himself on an NBA court question? And I think he's a guy that won't. Uh, and if the shot comes around, then he is good. So that's, that's kind of where I've been at with Jalen Williams. Like he's a guy I've had in, in draftable range lately. Uh, what do you kind of make of his game? Do you think there's anything there? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really disagree with anything much of what you said. Uh, I had dangerous as a screener, uh, as a screener where you can yeah. like kind of pop a roll, like, um, and the fact that he can do both. And, you know, typically you look at a guy like you probably be like, ah, oh, he's probably going to pop a lot, but like mm-hmm. he can roll off of it and, and make good decisions. Um, really good cutter. An, uh, another guy who has that like kind of weird hitch at the top of the shot where you, I, I have the same questions as you, but like yeah. I'm looking at, you know, the, the percentages elsewhere too. And I'm like, all right, well, like there's something to buy in. I do think he's a little heavy footed at times, um, sure. but he's really smart. And I think he's versatile in how many guys he can defend. So uh, I do think he, I think he's probably more on like the high end good instead of great as far as like, being a defender i think yeah. um but he's somebody who you he's like a guy you can have in a system and like is going to make keep your defensive system connected um obviously has a little bit of bounce to him like especially when he gets like a little bit of a, a, a runway uh i like him he's you know he's somebody who like i don't think he's gonna have kind of like a uh, vince williams explosion where all of a sudden you know memphis is giving him <laughs> the keys to play point guard and he's seven eight nine assists a game or anything like yeah. that but like I, you know, if if you said like, yeah, he's going to be an innings eater, like I, I completely see that as a, a guy who a team would be like, big wing who can do this, that, and and the next thing, and like 
let's see if you know how valuable that these innings actually end up you know being after he eats them up sure yeah yeah i think he's the guy that like hasn't gotten a ton of buzz it feels like it's it's starting to get there now but just an interesting player uh so let's let's wrap it up right there Corey. where can people find you and i actually have a question for you before we get here let's do it and it sparked it up um because you wrote a piece recently for no ceilings mba.com based off the premise of like how stupid do i feel if i miss on this guy yeah 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 yeah. and because this is something that i've also not struggled with at all but like we've had a few conversations about this player and talking about ryan dunn sure yeah and in your how stupid do you feel if you miss on this guy you use walker kessler as kind of like your barometer where it's like what the hell are we doing and i just went through all the center numbers and it's like yeah like we're all idiots if we're missing on this guy Mm -hmm. are we doing that at all with ryan dunn who has I think we might be. a stock percentage of 14.6 combined, a block percentage of 11.1, <laughs> steal percentage of three and a half. Um, even a guy like Matizzi Teibel, like isn't really approaching that block number. Um, so like, is he such a good defender where it's just like, That's I know the good, offense yeah. is raw. I know like the shot is what it is. Even if I'm kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. The shot doesn't look bad. It's just going to be like a confidence reps thing. Like, but I also won't be surprised if it never comes around. But like, are we just like, we're going to overthink this, even though he's having like an historically good defensive season and has the potential to be like the number one like lockdown defender at some point. Yeah, I think we might be like, I've, I've never moved him like super far down just for that reason that like, so he's obviously a worse shooter coming out than Matisse and a much more reluctant shooter coming out than Matisse. Um, but he can dribble, <laughs> which like, isn't nothing. Uh, and I actually think like the passing flashes are pretty solid. Like the assist that he does have while he doesn't have like a high assist rate. It's a little, like some of the interior dishes. I'm kind of like, Ooh, I, I liked that one. I like what I saw there. I I'm kind of getting there. And I'm, I posed you the question the other day, like, is there like a world where he plays a f- the five against these more like five out kind of lineups? Like if you're playing OKC, like do you want him at the five guarding Chet? Cause like my one concern is if like I'm drafting him to play center is sort of like, well then that kind of takes away like the ground coverage and a lot of the other things right. that you're, you're drafting him to do. But I think it's a defender against a five out scheme. And then if you're kind of playing like four out and he's in the dunker spot, like, there's ways to harness what he does do as a finisher and interior passer. Like I also just think that like, there's still, there's still a non-zero chance. He becomes an adequate, like lower volume three point shooter. Yeah. And if he does, then like he's a starter. So <laughs> uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's, he might be a, a starter even without that is the thing. That's, like, a, yeah, in the, like in the right that, scenario, because the defense is so good. It's so good. And, right. And like, the other thing is, is like, no one's ever going to be like that kid from Virginia is having an explosive offensive season this year. No, especially this year where like they brought in like Andrew Rody to shoot threes and like, he just can't do anything. And like they, and like, I, it's so funny. Like when I wrote about Rody for no stone this year, it was like, Oh, like he could be in a bad spot. Cause if the shot doesn't fall, like they've got all these guys. And it's like, other than McNeely and Beekman, they all stink. Like there's the, no, no one else on this team is like really panned out in any way. Um, that, yeah, like they just don't have any sort of offense. So yeah, that, and then like the other thing, like too. but but the guys who go to that school and then you know 
make it to the league. They're also all like solid to really, <laughs> you know, players. Like you're you're not gonna like like those guys are coached to like do the things that help you like survive in the NBA. So it's like I don't know. It might just be like this is a dude who like. I know he doesn't have the flashiest offensive game, but you just watch him on defense and you're like, is this guy going to be more valuable than, you know, somebody who is theoretically doing these things? Sure, sure, sure. You know, because he's going to be a guy, a coach is going to be like, well, I'm not going to take him off the floor. You know? That's the thing is like, I do think it gets underrated that like coaches will like certain guys. <laughs> like it sounds really <laughs> stupid, but like there are certain guys and I think like, Wendell Moore is like the opposite example where like the mistake Wendell Moore like you look at his turnover numbers and they weren't bad but the turnovers that happened were like so like pull your hair out that it's like I don't know how well teams are gonna like want to let him play through this sort of thing um work with Ryan Dunn yeah to your point it's just kind of like the opposite like coaches are just gonna eat up the fact that this guy is like playing his ass off the entire game can guard anybody like yeah. is, is intelligent rebounds the ball and finishes possessions like and like and, really good and, good enough on the offensive glass that like that's the thing we're like if we're talking about like kind of positioning him around like the five spot like he's good enough to to do those sort of things even like playing with bigs now that i don't know like i, I think there's real, real well, then it's like there. what if you put him next to chet you know and like like yeah. a guy like chet or a guy like victor Wembanyama or whatever where it's like they're these kind of code breaking guys where it's like, I don't know. Yeah. The Chet's the five done is the four, but like positionally in role, like doesn't really matter. It's just like Chet's taller than him, but like he can play five out and like, he'll allow you to do like, I don't know. There's, there's so many scenarios there's now because there, it work. Cause there are so many interesting guys in the league mm-hmm. that like, there are ways to make it work. Like, I mean, you could put him next to, you know, Mike Muscala, you know, who's yeah. like basically yeah. for, you know what I mean? Like, and have him do different things. So I, it seems like a guy who's just like, because the offense isn't sexy. Like when we are posting stats on, you know, the Twitter timeline, uh, it's like six points <laughs> on three yeah, six shooting and eight blocks and two, but he's got eight blocks. Yeah. So it's like, he's just a guy that that question from that piece you wrote recently. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, I think a lot of people will feel stupid if they miss on him. Especially because he's like a historically good defender. Right. Like, unbelievably good like in, if, if not in like mid-major newer, yeah like if you're newer to the draft space like these kind of numbers don't exist like they just don't uh as a combination of steel and block rate so i yeah i think that's a really good question to ask um because i think i probably slid him maybe a little bit past 20 or like he's been around 20 maybe i did have him top 20 last time i'm pulling it up right now um but yeah, like I still can't get him out of that range because I, I had him 18. Like I, I just don't think he's going to fail like because he's that good at something. The question is just like how much upside do you think there is? And but and like part of upside though is like being able to get on the floor to develop. Yeah, yeah. And, and like an NBA floor. Like I, I think that kind of goes understated. Like I think there's a lot of like this guy can get better at this thing in the G League. And I think if you talk to people around the NBA, I don't think that's as appealing as people on the outside think. Like, just because the G League is so transient, it's it's not as easy to develop down there as people might think. No. Um, and not. I think organizationally, too, it really depends, like, team to team. Like, I think some teams just don't care. Uh, unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way. But yeah. I think there's a lot of teams where it's just like, that's our affiliate and that's it. Well, we there's finally got every team to even have one. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that kind of goes to the point, but like, 
like you need to be on the floor to develop defense gets you on the floor historically and it doesn't matter if you're playing in seventh grade <laughs> like if you can defend a coach is going to be like mm-hmm. really good defender he's staying on like i'm not taking him off the floor right like yeah and i think dunn's gonna have opportunities to develop the other parts of his game uh because he can stick on the floor defensively and like he's probably somebody who's going to be able to be an impact defender like immediately because mm-hmm. he's never going to be physically overmatched and he's always going to have those instincts and and skills. So um, I don't know. He's just, he's a, an interesting guy. And like, you know, if, if he's the kind of guy who, if he gets to 15 points a night, like you're looking at a guy yeah, who's going to yeah, make then he's like a near $175 million on his contract. So <laughs> um, at what point is, is, too low to take that chance for somebody who like at least has building blocks um, for his offensive game that you can kind of talk yourself into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I also think it would, yeah, it would matter too if he was like a zero feel guy. And I think, I know the assist rate doesn't say that he is, but like, I, I think it's there. I think it's in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's end it right there. Uh, where can people find you and, and what else have you got kind of coming down the pike this week? Uh, um, you can find me at uh, Corey Teleba on Twitter slash X NBA draft dude on other social platforms. Um, I don't know if it'll be this week that I'm writing it, but I just went and saw uh, Montverde versus Luhai. Um, so Cooper flag, you know, uh, Liam McNeely, uh, Ozzie Newell, um, Derek queen, uh, on the Luhai side, you have VJ Edgecombe, who's going to Baylor, uh, just a, you know, who's who of top rated high school prospects. Um, so I'm going to write a, you know, scouting notebook, no ceilings plus piece on, on that. Um, so that'll either be out like this week or, or next week. Um, I'm going to have a Ron Holland scouting video uh, for okay. the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now that his season is officially over, yeah. script is done, just got to, you know, record and uh, put it together, but, but that'll be out this week as well. And then, you know, my next written piece for no ceilings, that's free will be on Nick Clifford, you know, kind of breaking down his game. Um, and if you want to head start on, you know, a lot of the the stuff he could do, you could check out his film sesh that is on this YouTube channel. Um, and if you're listening on the audio platform is on the YouTube channel. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. People can find me at foul boards. Make sure you're following no ceilings at no ceilings NBA. Subscribe to the Substack, no ceilings NBA.com. I'll have that Ben Humrick house uh, scouting report of tomorrow, along with mid major game of the week in there and some quick hits on big names like Alex Sar, Yves Misi, a lot of good stuff in there too. So make sure you check that out uh, until next time. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week.